0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Our guest today is Samir Gulati, the Chief Operating Officer of Plastic, which allows business owners and savvy consumers to use their credit cards to pay for virtually anything even their rent, which would normally require a check. Billions of dollars have been processed through Plastic since its start in 2012. In this episode, we discuss how Plastic is advancing innovative payment solutions to more than 150 countries around the world and how it is addressing the working capital gap businesses often face. You will learn about the importance of credit for Plastic users. Today, SMBs have less than 30 days of cash on hand on average and Plastic can give businesses up to 90 days of cash to pay a vendor. You'll also hear about Samir's career, from software engineer to McKinsey consultant to COO at Lending Club, as well as get an inside look into Plastic's company culture. Now let's get started. Samir, it's so great to have you on the show. Where are you calling in from?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am in San Francisco today. I'd love to say sunny San Francisco, but today is a little bit uh, drab.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm in Philly right now. And (laughs) if you know the show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia I would argue they should change it to it's always humid in Philadelphia because it is horrible right now. And I have no idea how we're going to make it through the rest of the summer. So I don't know if I would wish for it to be too sunny right now. (laughs) But I'm thrilled to have you here today and would love to start to learn more about Plastic. Can you tell us about the problem that you and your team are committed to solving?
1: Yeah. So Plastic focuses on making the lives of small business owners easier. And we think of ourselves as solving the payments problems of all small businesses, which on the surface seems like, yeah, sure, people write checks and do bank transfers and use credit cards. Why is this such a big deal? But fundamentally, SMB payments is broken. And not just in the United States or North America, pretty much universally, that is the problem. Meanwhile, at the same time, small businesses, again, universally, are the backbone of every economy, right? There's 30 million small businesses in the U.S. alone, but it is a dramatically underserved segment of the population from a financial services and payments perspective. So that is the problem we are solving for folks. Our mission is to make all uh, payables and receivables for small businesses easier, while at the same time solving a very critical problem, uh, which is cash flow. The number of businesses that struggle with getting access to cash flow in time is staggering. More than half of businesses in the U.S. today have less than 30 days of cash on hand, as an example. It's worth just pausing and thinking about that because in our individual circumstances, if I said to you, hey, are you going to run out of money in 30 days, Gabriela? That's a really scary situation. And these, these are business owners who are not just fending for themselves, there are people relying on them. So you take all of that, a massive population, critical to the economy, deeply underserved by financial services and we're solving day-to-day payments problem for them and helping them get better access to cash flow. So that's what Plastic does.
2: That's interesting. I'm 28 and I, I'm old enough to remember the sound of dial-up internet, but I really can't <laughs> even be working with cash nowadays. So like, what types of vendors don't accept credit right now and who are your clients typically working with?
1: It's... Uh... I love how you phrase that question because you and I, and pretty much everyone else, and we are used to using credit cards or cards everywhere. Frankly, at this point, uh, with Apple Pay and the likes of that, even that is starting to move to the background, right? So the idea that card acceptance is a problem is quite alien to most of us. However, when you shift that lens to B2B payments, so SMBs paying other businesses, 95% of all dollars in that world, go on non-card rails today in the United States, and the United States is a very card-driven economy. And the biggest reason for that is the recipient business does not want to accept cards because they have to pay between, on average, three to four percent for the privilege of accepting a card. In consumer payments, when you're paying fifty, hundred dollars, that's not that much. But when you're paying five, ten, fifty thousand dollars invoice payments. 3 to 4% is a pretty substantial amount. So card acceptance is a real problem. On the other hand, the payer business really wants to use the card because it gives them 30, 60 days of extra time to make the payment. Right? They pay the supplier today on their card before the revolve or the interest rate kicks in. You have 30 to 60 days of your billing cycle. So it's quite valuable to them. And uh, that's the problem we are solving, right? So we enable businesses to use any of their credit cards to pay any vendor, whether the vendor accepts the card or not. And that unblocks all of the credit lines sitting on their credit cards today and is quite impactful for businesses. Yeah,
2: that's incredible. Do you mind speaking more about your target demographic? Like how big are the SMBs that you're working with and are they more apparent in a particular
1: industry? So one of the core ethos around our product design and our proposition is keeping it very simple so it's more broadly applicable. right? So today, if I look at our customer makeup of 100% of the volume on a monthly basis, about 10% comes from consumers. So folks like you and I may be using plastic to pay our rent because our landlord doesn't accept credit cards. I don't know if you're in the Wharton dorm or not, or whether you can use a credit card to pay or uh, rent, but with plastic, you can. Then about 80% is what is traditionally called an SMB, which is under five, 10, $15 million of revenue, somewhere there. And then about 10, 20% is what is called the commercial segment. So these are medium to large enterprises who have multi-million dollar credit card lines. So that's roughly the breakup uh, from a size perspective. And the industries are the ones which are the most cash flow hungry. So we see a lot of e-commerce, wholesalers, distributors. We see construction because payment terms in construction tend to be quite long, typically 60 days. Hospitality, so restaurants, hotels, because their payment cycle is quite different. And uh, over the last year, we have seen the emergence of healthcare providers who are trying to meet all of this unprecedented demand and need to fuel their growth using short-term credit. So those are some of the major segments that we see. But because our product literally is using a card or your bank account to make a payment online, the long tail actually has pretty much every industry that you can imagine. But these four tend to be the largest ones.
2: got it. It's interesting that you mentioned paying rent. It's one thing that you're so used to just doing via check or via direct deposit that you don't even question nowadays. So not the mindset that these (laughs) SMDs have, right? Um, And I think you might have acquired an additional customer, but (laughs) 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 we'll we'll leave that for another day. Um, So is there a particular champion product or Package like a bundle that you have your clients work with, or how does the platform itself look like? And do you mind talking a bit more about the features that your SMBs typically work with?
1: Yeah. So today we don't have uh, we don't charge a subscription or a monthly fee or a bundle per se. Our product works on a on a per transaction basis. So you sign up for free for Plastic either as the payer or as the recipient business. There is no cost to uh, signing up. And when you make a card payment, that is when there is a fee associated with it. But if you make a bank-to-bank transfer to pay your invoices, either as a consumer, frankly, or as a business, there is no fee. So you could sign up uh, today and all you need is either your bank account information or a credit card to make a payment. And we take care of everything else. But the Champion product, if I were to pick one, that would be what I mentioned earlier, the ability to use your card to make a payment to somebody who does not accept cards in the payments industry, one would call that a card to account transaction versus a card to card or an account to account.
2: And I know that this company has been around for close to a decade now. How are you using like interesting user behavior data, and like what types of insights have you been able to gain from that? Great
1: question. You know, when the company started, we were originally focused on consumers. The original promise was for consumers to, or individuals to use any of their cards to pay anybody, right? So the initial use cases were tuition, rent, taxes, utilities. In fact, we still do a lot of uh, tuition payments today to universities in the US and Canada because a lot of universities still don't accept cards. From there on, what we found was based on consumer behavior, we actually found there was a segment of consumers who were actually making payments which were quite atypical of a consumer. And we realized that these were small business owners using our platform as individuals. So they would actually make their rent payment and then go, hmm, actually, I could use this for my business, which is actually really impactful for me. So they started using it for business. And so the company realized that and shifted its focus to businesses. So that was one important moment in the company's history. And now today we are focused on B2B payments. The second one I'd call out is it's very important to leverage existing behaviors versus trying to fundamentally try and change somebody's behavior, right? It's much harder to do the latter. And one of the core issues in B2B payments is that how the payer wants to make the payment tends to be different than how the recipient wants to receive the payment. And as an example, let's say an e-commerce merchant is paying a wholesaler. The e-commerce merchant wants to use a card. The wholesaler does not accept cards. right? Or the e-commerce merchant says, look, I want to just sign in through my bank account and send you money through a bank account. And the the wholesaler says, actually, send me a check. And this is a problem that is pervasive in B2B payments. And and looking at that, one of the things we did was a lot of other B2B payment companies, rather than trying to get the recipient to accept cards or telling them, hey, stop accepting checks because you should use digital payments instead, let's sit in the middle and let the payer pay how they want and let the recipient pay how they want. So we decouple the payer instrument and the recipient instrument. So now... The payer, the e-commerce merchant, can pay however they want, card, check, ACH, and the recipient sees no change at their end. They still receive a check if they want a check or they receive a bank account transfer if that's what they want. And now we can actually do this internationally. So you can use a U.S. credit card and we can send an international wire in British pounds to your supplier in the U.K. all through the same experience which is literally as simple as using your card to buy a pair of shoes online. The insight there is develop your proposition to suit the needs and the behaviors that exist today versus trying to force something down people's throat because you think that's a better idea.
2: Yeah, Listening to your user, always important. (laughs) Critical. Most definitely. And I think you were hinting at this earlier, but can you talk a bit more about plastic accept because I found it to be fascinating? You know who ends up paying for this? So sharing a bit more about those details that come with plastic.
1: Yeah, accept. so we we talked about the payer side of the equation. So the e-commerce merchant paying uh, the wholesaler or the distributor. Plastic accept is a product for the wholesaler or distributor. So for the recipient of the funds. And you know there are some amazing companies out there like Stripe and Square, which are solving the problem of card acceptance by making it easier to accept cards. But what that does not change is that the recipient still has to pay the fee, right? The approach we have taken through Plastic Accept is that in our model, the recipient now, the wholesaler or distributor, in my example, can offer a card payment option to the e-commerce merchant, but they don't have to pay the card acceptance fee. Plastic Accept actually now allows card and non-card payments. So again, it's just a flip side of the original proposition. But uh, we realized that we had become extremely good at solving the payer's pain point. And then over the last couple of years, we've developed Plastic Accept to solve the recipient pain point also.
2: It's a very important mission In the end of the day. We've done some work in the small business space and Hearing about, you know, restaurants, what something like a Uber Eats or DoorDash does, or even accepting credit payments. And at the end of the day, it's also taking away from the potential profit that they may have. So it was really fascinating to learn more about this new feature.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, on that note, Gabriella, if you look at the profit margin profile of a restaurant or a wholesaler it's in single digit percentages right if they're really good they're making 8 9% they're typically in the 4 5 6% range and to pay 3 to 4% for the privilege of accepting a card on a $20,000 invoice payment that just doesn't make sense which is why card acceptance is so low in b2b payments and it's increasing but it's going from like single digit percentages to maybe teens as opposed to 70 80 90%
2: Plastic is built on providing more and more access to credit, and in the U.S., it has an especially bad reputation. So, do you mind talking about why this access is important to your users? And you know, we've discussed a bit more about the working capital gap, but you know, what else has it enabled your SMBs to do? And like, what's the feedback that you've gotten so far from your clients?
1: Yeah, I mean, credit is a very important driver of growth, particularly in the U.S both from how the economy is structured, processes are structured, but also the mindset of the people is one where accessing credit to fuel your growth is seen as almost a right, right? People are very fixated on managing their FICO score or their business credit so that they can always have access to credit and grow faster and grow bigger. And when you look at the primary payment instrument, that is a credit card in in the United States. There's $3 trillion dollars Of credit lines that are sitting on cards in the US across business credit cards, commercial cards, consumer cards. But the fundamental problem in accessing that is the two segments that need it the most have the least access to it. And those two segments are subprime consumers and SMBs. If you look at the last year, or if you look at the 2008 crisis, every time there's trouble in the economy, credit gets pulled back by the banks first for these two segments. So credit lines uh, reduce for subprime consumers and for SMBs. And access to new credit also reduces for these two segments very, very quickly, which is ironic in that they're the ones who need it the most when it is crunch time. But you know the risk manager at a bank will tell you that's exactly why you have to pull the credit back because they're the riskiest segments. So The approach we have taken is rather than try and get SMBs to go apply for more credit and increase their debt load, we should unlock the credit that already is sitting pre-approved on their cards. And that's how our proposition works, which allows them to use that to grow faster, more confidently. And very importantly, because it's already approved and sitting on their card, one of the core themes that we hear from our customers is they need the confidence that when they need access to this credit, they can actually use it. And because this is pre-approved, that works really well for them.
2: That's really interesting and fascinating to learn more about. On the theme of credit, you've had such an interesting career in financial services and largely in this whole credit space. Now, you, you started off in software engineering, you were at McKinsey for like a bit over a decade and Later, we're at the C-suite at Lending Club, and now you're more boots on the ground at FinTech. How did you decide to move from opportunity to opportunity, and why were you interested in financial services to begin with?
1: This is going to be a fun trip down memory lane. I'd love to tell you that I always knew I wanted to follow this career path. I, I didn't. I was trained as an engineer. I was educated as an engineer when I was growing up in India. And so the first phase of my career was as a software engineer in Europe. Uh, which is a terrific time. This is the dot-com boom and then the bust that I saw. But in doing that work, while I realized I enjoyed that, I found I was doing a lot of implementation work versus being closer to the decision-making. And that prompted me to come to the US for my MBA. And frankly, that was the first time I actually got introduced to financial services and this entire world of big banks and insurance companies and private equity. And I was just fascinated. So coming out of business school, I joined McKinsey in the financial services practice. I was there, as you said, for just over a decade in New York and then in London. And in my early part at McKinsey, I made it a point to experience every single aspect of financial services. So I did work in insurance, private equity, retail banking, consumer banking, SMB, lending, capital markets, trading, you name it. I made it a point to actually experience that. And 10 years in, uh, I was a partner at the firm in, in London. The fintech wave had become very, very real. And what I found was, while a lot of the McKinsey clients at the time, like a City or a Goldman or an Amex, were doing interesting work, the more interesting work had started happening at fintechs, which was starting to scale. That prompted my move from McKinsey to an operating role as the COO at Lending Club. And it also brought me back to the US. And Lending Club was a fascinating experience. This is I'd moved from being a consultant to being an operator, which required a whole host of new muscles. And three years at Lending Club uh, were a terrific time. And the reason I left and moved to Plastic, which at the time was a Series C company, was uh, Lending Club was already public. And I wanted to go to a place where I was truly building a company as opposed to uh, on an existing platform, adding more products and features and helping grow that. Right. So I came to Plastic, where the theme was the same uh, as my earlier transitions, which is where is more interesting work happening. <laughs> and I felt like at an earlier stage company, uh, the opportunity was higher. So that's very roughly starting as an engineer, getting introduced to financial services, love the geographical variety between New York and London. And then, being transitioning to an operating role at Lending Club and continuing that at a slightly smaller scale at Plastic, it's been a fun two decades.
2: It over two years. How would you describe its culture? And you know, how do you see yourself from your seat and influencing you how the team is able to innovate?
1: I love being at Plastic and the large part of that is the people at the company and the culture that we have collectively built and collectively own the responsibility to continue to sustain when i joined the company we were roughly 70 people and influencing culture at a company that size literally translates into how you operate and behave every single day with everybody right it's very noticeable has a big impact and that was part of the reason why i wanted to come to a company of this size we think about we have tried to capture our culture or values in four items, and we call them the goat values, right? Which is obviously a sporting term of like the greatest of all time, but also is the animal. And the force, the G stands for get it done, which is a very execution oriented mindset. O stands for own the outcome. Everyone behaves like an owner at plastic, takes accountability. A is adapt with conviction. This is so central to being successful at a startup. All of your plans need to be flexible because the world is changing so quickly around you. And T is trust the team. This is not a hero culture. We believe in the power of the team and collective goals, but individual accountability. So the GOAT values is something that we try and live up to and hold each other accountable to. And it's been really inspiring and humbling to be part of shaping these and infusing that in every part of Plastic, very importantly, in our recruiting processes and how we think about our reviews and career progression. It's very central to how we operate.
2: As a leader in the space, what trends are you excited about you know, for the next five years? And you do a lot of work outside of Plastic. so. What keeps you going and what are you excited to see?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I advise a couple of other startups and it's a lot of fun. If I were to gaze into the crystal ball here, what I'm excited about seeing is how, let's call it payments or economic activity more broadly, is truly becoming global today, right? And across every aspect, not just large corporates, but SMBs, consumers, the way we operate today as individuals, is increasingly borderless. And I'm excited to be part of and have the opportunity to work in a time and an environment where in some small way, shape or form, I'm participating in helping accelerate that trend. And I think that's incredibly exciting. That's what keeps me going and working with amazing people every single day is a very, very important part of keeping the energy going. Which I have to say, speaking of trends, This remote work over the last year has been quite a challenge. And we reopened our office literally yesterday. And as an individual, as a company, as a society, I think there's a lot more we have to figure out on how we make the hybrid model work. And I'm excited about seeing some innovation on that front, too. There are some really smart people doing some uh, very deep thinking around that. I think we'll have to figure that out together.
2: Samir, um, I know that you have such a busy calendar, and I wish I could keep you here longer, but we can't. But for your last question, you know, we always th- try to stick in a fun one. So who's your hero and why?
1: <laughs> I, I love this question. And I was thinking maybe I should pick a fictional character, but uh, I'm going to have to give a shout out to my dad on this one, largely because uh, so he was in the Air Force, he's now retired, but Growing up, that environment and what he embodied uh, really has been central to how I've tried to operate, which is very strong individual accountability to the team, but always with a view towards what the greater good is. And that stayed with me throughout. So I'll give him a shout out on this one. There are a lot of other big personalities that have inspired me and that I admire. But when phrased as who's your hero, I'll call my dad out there.
2: That sounds lovely and I'm sure he'll be glad to hear it. Again, thank you for your time and we're excited to see what's next for Plastic and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media we greatly appreciate your support and helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our FinTech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren FinTech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostria. Until next time, your
2: host, Gabby.